On this week's show, we've got all the hot gossip on round three from the Champions Cup. We discuss one Welsh prop who quadruple jobbed for a 10-year career. We've got an exclusive interview with Rory Best, conducted by Jerry Flannery. Which nursery rhyme character does Bernard Jackman look like? And we've got our best 15 players that made you scream when you played. The team that made you scream. Ah. Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Here on Joe, together with Guinness. Flan Trimby, join me on the couch straight at the top of the show this week. We've got a ton of Champions Cup rugby to review from the weekend. And we'll look ahead to the return fixtures next weekend. We have a brilliant interview that Fla conducted with Rory Best that will also be playing for you um, later on. While Fla was doing that, uh, I moved to Cork for five days and... Did a load of gigs. Andrew Trimble, you were in Dubai. We were in Dubai for five days. And you look, you look like you were in Dubai for five days. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a man who has Dubai'd well. Yeah, uh, yeah I... Um, Did you check those bags under your eyes in? I feel, I feel uh, like I've aged or? five years in five days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was playing an over, over 35 got vet, international vets team. Bunch of random French guys, the most French people you'll ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. We give away, it's like seven minutes a half in a tens, uh, game of tens. It's grand, it's not that tiring, is it? Yeah, oh, no, it's not too bad at all, because everybody's old as well. Yeah. Um, but I'd say within three minutes, these guys give away eight penalties for the same thing. <laughs> what? And they were like, ah, it's just yeah. second bleu. Like They just <laughs> could not understand why they were getting penalized so much. And then I was getting fired up with them, I was cracking up, and we were all around with each other. Um, but great crack, great few days. There's a few decent teams out there as well. There's there was one team with um, uh, Dylan Armitage, Ben Gollings, um, Griffin. You know the Italian nine? Or yeah, yeah, remember yeah him? the chops. Uh huh. Yeah, the chops. Mm, yeah. yeah, still got the chops. He looks old. Does he? He looks like he's, he's in a silver sixth. hair. I'd imagine. He, he, he plays quite. He looks like he can still kind of play a little. Is there bit. a lot of bitchiness in the tournament? Ooh. No, no, no. He's gotten very old. No. <laughs> yeah. Put on a few pounds. Yeah. No, very friendly. Everybody's in good form. Everybody's kind of uh, pretty relaxed and enjoying having a bit of crack together. Ben Gollings, he was, I'd say he was pretty mean, man. He was handy enough, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, very loose, throwing the ball about. When you say handy enough, like is he, that's it, he was a fucking awesome sevens player, wasn't he? And he's, yeah. he's still in really good nick, is he not? Yeah, he is, yeah. What would he be? He'd be 40 now, wouldn't he? Oh, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah. But still, compared to the rest of us. Yeah. So there was some old man there. We <laughs> yeah. played one, so we got beaten in the... <laughs> Willie John McBride. <laughs> <laughs> How many of these Arabs have you got? <laughs> they, just, they just use that Irishman thing where they CGI him and make him look like he's really young. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the Irishman? I haven't seen it. There's a, oh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, an yeah, unbelievable yeah. part where they, they make De Niro look like he's 40 with CGI, and it's, I couldn't fault the film. It's unbelievable. But uh, he's a bit of a, he's a tough guy. Are you worried De Niro's listening to this? He's going to be annoyed with Sorry, Sorry, Sorry uh, Robert, what are you doing? I'm just listening to the Baz and Andrews. <laughs> but they, uh, he, they, they have a scene where he goes down to rough up this uh, shopkeeper that uh, was given out to his daughter, and he goes down and he beats him up. But it's clearly, like, how old is Robert De Niro? Like in his late 70s, 80s? It's clearly an 80-year-old man who they're CGI'd trying to fight this guy. And he stands on his hand and the guy's like, ah! 
<laughs> a lack of force standing on his hand. Is I'm it? standing on your hand. Oh, wow. Um, that's the only fault, but I imagine that's yeah. something similar. A lot of old boys. It's just uh, who's kind of aged the least, I suppose, who's hung on to whatever they used to have a little bit. Yeah. We played um, played this, the team that actually won it in the end. They put us out in the pool, and then we, we got to the semi-final to play it. Um, but the, one of the guys, do you, you probably don't remember this guy, I the name down because I forget it, Danwell Damas. Do you remember him? He used to play for Aroni. Big, tall, black guy, dreadlocks down to, down to his waist. Unbelievably quick. We played him once and um, we'd never heard of him. South African fella. Uh, uh, we'd never heard of him. And he got the ball on his line, ran sideways, and then straight, like, made a break all the way up to our 22. This guy's so fast. <laughs> Next time we played them, then um, Doki was going through the player profiles, and this one guy was like, left foot step, good uh, right arm carry, good distributor, good king, all this here, you know, all this stuff. And then he go- we get to this guy, damn well, Damas, and he goes, this guy's really, really fast. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. Really, really quick. And then um, I didn't recognize him when we played him. And he took me on, burnt me, obviously. And then I like d- dived to get him, missed him. I looked up, and it was when he was running away. I was like, I've been burnt by him before. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, we were having a chat, and I realized who it was. It was. Yeah, guys like that, um, a few old boys. It was great crack. Try and get involved next year. If either of you two, you've got too much De Niro about you, have you? I, I play, I'd just be too slow. We're all slow. Everybody's oh, slow. I'm, it's really slow. Yeah. Wait, apart from you, him. Apart from that guy. Do you just go around smashing lads or Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that your, so your strength lies? My my strength is still um I'm still a one trick pony. Coming yeah. in off your wing in sevens <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I got fired up actually. Although it was friendly generally, but there was one game we were playing against this military team and and it was all big, massive, physical, bald guys with tattoos. Like, Did you say bald or bold? Bold. Yeah. <laughs> they were being rascals. <laughs> no, they were bald. <laughs> Tattoos up their necks, you know, these kind of guys. This one guy was hair and 100 miles. Sorry. <laughs> he must have thought he was going 100 miles an hour. And then you realize whenever you hit them, you're like, oh, that he feels old. <laughs> you know, I mean, he looks the part, but whenever you get your hands on him, cushiony. he feels old. Cushiony, yeah. yeah. So you kind of—it's a good confidence boost. You kind of wreck a few old boys, <laughs> uh, but like really good crack, good few days. Good. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it now. Good man. Did yeah. you enter the weekend? Uh, I was at the Munster game. I did it with with BT, and uh, very enjoyable doing the game. Um, second half was 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 like paint dry. Yeah, it would have been more exciting. But yeah, it was good. Just met up with everyone beforehand. <clears throat> Um, well, it was a bit of a players reunion, right? There oh, was a players reunion. Yeah, yeah. to get involved. Uh, well, <clears throat> they were in the in this in the bar behind behind where we were commentating from, and we went in and just caught up with a few of them. But I was exhausted by that stage. I was like, I need to get home, and mm. it was like such a smell of farts in there when I came in. There. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and they were oblivious. They were like, hey! I was like, oh man, the smell of farts in here. But when we met up, like, we, we met up and everyone was like, uh, Craig Doyle was there looking like perfect and then Wally was there looking perfect and I was like, oh for fuck's sake, I'm on telly with these two fellas now and then I saw Paul Grace and I was like, oh thank God you're here. He's like, what? I was like, I don't know, it me with Wally and Craig Doyle, like these two hunks and he was just looking at me and I was like, I'm not sure if that joke went down that well. <laughs> then, then, uh, Did you do it on air? Like? No, no, no. Then, then one, uh, one, there was like, um, I was standing beside Wally and, and, and I, one of them was like, 
David, how have you not aged? Like, are you just in the gym all the time? And Wally was just looking at me going, no, he's in the gym all the time. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like for fuck's sake, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'm training. Oh. Wally's like, I go maybe once once every week or something like that. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, Wally's a freak. Yeah, but it was it was very enjoyable. It was very enjoyable. Good. Game was, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, big win, obviously. You predicted Saracens wouldn't uh, travel with that. The, the strongest, strongest team and the strongest, strongest, <laughs> uh, and they did. They only brought uh, Maro Atoje. He's the only one that from the World Cup that played. Mm. Um, ben Spencer, I, the nine. Yeah, sorry. Um, they played a decent rugby in the first half. Once the, the try was good. Um, they just seemed to like. They seemed to do, do well when they got the ball to Earls and Conway, and then they stopped doing that. Yeah, I thought the first half, the conditions just ruined the game, ruined it. But like. <clears throat> If you look at it, like Saracens have the best defence in the Premiership and defence is just based on system. So even if they take their first line, first line players out, the guys that are second line will still know their defensive system, will still know their kicking strategies uh, and they'll, they'll be adept at those and they'll be fit, they'll be well conditioned. So it wasn't going to be a walkover for Munster. But like Saracens had 16, 16 internationals at the World Cup. They had nine players that were involved in the World Cup final. And they they pulled seven of those players from that game. So if you pulled Munster's seven best players and got Munster to play that team, it would be it would be a lot different. But I thought first half when the conditions were good, Munster were awesome. I thought they played some really like move like exactly you said. Their passing was really crisp, handling was excellent. Every time they were playing, when they were sending two forwards around, or sending two forwards at the line, they were always hitting the outside man and were getting great return off it. Mm. Um, and I thought, I thought Conway, I thought uh, Earls, he started really well. I thought Rory Scannell was, was probably the be- Munster's best player in the first half. I thought his distribution was excellent. Mm. Um, and he kept Brad Barrett pretty quiet. But then the second half, then it just became... Conditions are awful. Conditions really are bad. terrible. Yeah, it was and, hard to tell from the telly. And like, it was just like, it just ruined the game. But yeah. Saracens, Saracens were right in the mix all the way through. Mm. Um, Will Munster be in trouble next week, do you think? Um, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Like if Saracens have their full strength team, like they'll be better than Munster mm. because they're better than everyone with their full strength team. Yeah. Mm. But it's whether they decide that they want to have a go or not. Um, if, if I suppose if they had if they'd known that was going to be that tight with their their second string, in hindsight, if they'd sent their first first choice guys, it might it might have been a different story. Yeah, well, there was they, a lot you know what I mean. I wonder is Mark McCall thinking. I wonder should we have gone for that? Well, that like, was got, getting a bonus point with uh, with that team and resting all those players is. You see, if they if they, if they if they if they beat Munster next week, you know they've still got to get they still they still have the Ospreys and they have Racing at home as well. Then you know, mm-hmm. so could they, work out perfectly. Yeah, but I think I think they're just saying, listen, we'll just see it. the fact that they got a losing bonus point from the game. I'd say Mark McCall's like decent, mm. and they're like they've got to prioritize the Premiership. <clears throat> They've got to prioritise it from a financial point of view. So the European Cup is, is secondary to them. If but they might want to go out and get some game time into their into their into their their first choice players now for next week. They'll play I don't know whether they'll play their first choice team. Mm. Um He said they will. Yeah. Mark McCall said they well, he said he'll they'll rotate. Mm. Yeah. It's just, it's just a nice way of it's it's a polite way to the guys that were playing. He <laughs> seemed he seemed irritated that he keeps getting asked about it all the time yeah and i'd imagine it does wear pretty thin but i suppose it's it's still news like that's it yeah exactly the we whole, all want to find out about it yeah. yeah the whole thing is every time saracen's got to play now it's like what are they going to do with their team which is mm-hmm. which is annoying for him and probably takes the gloss off like 
I thought Will Skelton like was was incredible. Like he he was just like Skelton. Skelton was so good, man. He was just winning so many collisions. But like, there's only one of him there. Normally, you have like Mako Vonapola, you have Billy Vonapola, you'd have George Cruz, you'd have Jamie George. You know, you've got all these other guys who can carry the ball really effectively as well. But it was a lot of it was down to Will Skelton. Uh, Lama Satelli carried a few times. Jackson Ray is, is is a really good busy player. But they'll be a completely completely different team. Like when, even when when you said sorry, go on. even even the second half, they had like a. They had Vuna, like Manu Vunapola, who's I think he's still a teenager playing ten, mm. and like they needed to just turn Munster, put the ball in behind them, which I know is I, I look I haven't played ten, but that's what you should be looking to do all the time, mm. is just get the ball in behind Munster, and make Munster play out there, which they didn't do, and it was a gale force wind making life very hard for Munster. But so when you said a minute ago that Munster, you know, it's whether they'll they'll play or not next weekend, is that we said when you like, how do you think they could go about beating that strong Saracens team next weekend? Uh, look, I think <clears throat> I think they showed they, they they played for a few periods when they when they when they clicked in the first half. Munster showed that you know they were. Is it a case of like watching? It was like when when Earls and Conway got the ball mm. in with a little bit of space. Munster are a different team. Um, is that the case? Get them the ball. Is they're their best players? Why don't we see them getting the ball more often? Oh, well. Generally, like if you're playing against really good sides, it's it's difficult to do because you don't get as much momentum, and then it's harder. There isn't the space to get the ball to them, or when they get the ball, there is no space for them. Mm. Um, Earls, Earlsy, and Earlsy created himself that there there wasn't a, like a lot of times he got the ball and there was nothing on. He just come coming back inside looking for lazy defenders who who've clocked off, and he just puts footwork on them or a little chip over the top. Mm. But yeah, I think Munster definitely looked to move. Looked 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 to attack on the edges and they looked a lot better playing with a little bit more width hitting like I said hitting that second man mm. um, so I don't know what they're going to do the Saracens if they're full strength are, are very difficult I met uh, Dennis Leamy yesterday uh, he was complimenting you um, oh. saying he's actually actually good crack isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people don't realise he's actually good crack um, I love that yeah it's love great that. I love it as well no, I uh, hate it <laughs> I, hear that, I hear that you two love it so much. Yeah. Uh, Liam's settling in very well to his uh, academy role with Leinster. Mm. Um, very complimentary to how they're doing things up there. And he spoke about how Leinster just keep it so simple and um, play a lot to width and try and get the ball as wide as possible and keep stretching teams. So when I was watching the games back, it was like I had that in mind. Mm. And uh, Munster were very good when they did that, when they move away from it then probably because of the conditions. You couldn't, no, no one could do anything yeah. in the second half. But then looking at Leinster doing it, um, you know, they defended for a lot of that game on, on Saturday, which was incredibly impressive. But when, when they had the ball, they were just, you know, relentless and very difficult to stop. James Lowe was phenomenal for them again. Mm. Uh, Gibson Park was excellent in managing everything. Mm. But I thought, like, James Lowe gives you... Do you remember we talked about that hard carry? <coughs> like when you move the ball to the edge... And then, like yeah, all the, the thankless, the thankless yeah, where all the defenders now are kind of working towards the touch and working towards the touchline, a tackle occurs, and now you've got a big bunch of defenders here. Now, sometimes if you've got someone that can do it, you carry the ball into them, recycle it, and you've ring fenced most of their team here, and you've got the whole team, to, the whole field, to, the whole width of the field to come back to attack. They can use James Lowe in that position. You know, like we see, like from the Ulster game. Um, like I was just watching Ulster a lot and watching how important Kutsia, McCluskey and Cooney are 
in terms of how they, how they manage it. I can see James Lowe can do the same thing. It's like, you know, when people say you could have a second row who plays like a back row or you have a hooker who plays like a back row, it just frees up, adds more to your team. When you've got James Lowe, a winger who can play like a back row, I thought he was, uh, he's, he's such a big threat for them. He's such a good player. But I see what you mean, yeah? Go to the edge and they're a quality side, Leinster. They were really, really good. Yeah. Keeping it simple and just wearing them down and uh, like Northampton are playing some serious rugby at the moment like, and mm. to keep them scoreless in the, I think in the second half or for majority of the game I think you know they maybe scored 16 points in the first 30 and didn't score again which is unbelievable um, yeah it's just Bender Fleer that, that Navajaro that massive massive winger for the Saints mm. Bender Fleer made a great shot on him about 6 metres off Bender Fleer was excellent but they've, they've, they've just got such quality all the way through like Bender Fleer got man in the match it was Will O'Connor's getting man in the match the previous week the, the, the other 7 so it just drives performance when you have guys playing that well all the time. I think, um, and to see Jordan Lamore starting at fifteen yeah. as well and playing well, uh, everyone everyone played well for Leinster. Uh, Lamar, I thought looked he looks like he stepped on. He, he's he's kicked on. He looks more confident. Looks more self assured. Mm. You know, I kind of the World Cup's probably been good for him because he's he's got more and more <coughs> exposure, and now he looks like he's kind of ready to ready to thrive and be first choice in European games. Yeah. I thought he just looked like it, even it's just his body language mm. kind of just looks really confident now doesn't he I enjoyed Stockdale at 15 as well for yeah. Ulster I thought he played well there a couple of times last year and looked fairly sharp at the weekend it's just about for him I just think he needs to get the ball in his hand I think if he goes for a long period without getting the ball then it, it, it's hard to get into the game mm. uh, and, and when, he, when he was at his best over the last last year apart from that la, um, that passage recently where he hasn't haven't seen as much from him but Whenever he's at his best, put the ball in his hands, get him plenty of ball, get him plenty of confidence, and then he's 15, he gets more ball, mm. and then I think it's I think it worked really well. It's nice to have a few options there. Mm. He's physically on. so dominant, isn't he? Like when, yeah. he, when he receives the ball, you know, a lot of guys, like if there's nothing on, they'll just truck it back and yeah. set up, but he can truck it back, but then he can actually win the collision, and, and if he can keep the ball alive. Yeah. He did that a couple of times the weekend. I thought he, yeah. I I watched him first. The first time I saw him when he was playing for the twenties at fullback. Uh-huh. You were saying he, he he's played for us a few times now at fifteen. Yeah. Um, I still think you're. I think I still think having Jacob on the wing and Addison at fullback, and then any one of of Gilroy, Balakun, Robbie Little, Louis Liddick, mm. <laughs> any one of them in the other wing, mm. fine. That's a great back three. That is. That is great well. when he came on. He played the wing again. as well. Yeah, he's a utility. Yeah, player. he's mm. done well. He's a great well. player. Yeah. Big impact when he came on last week, kind of made a little yeah. break, and uh, Ulster ended up getting that. That was off. The, I think he made that. Did he not make that break off? Off Stockdale. A Stockdale catch. K- yeah. Kick receipt Stockdale and got got his hands free and offloaded to him. Yeah. And then a ridiculous penalty given away um, by. Yeah. Uh, Who was it? Took um, took McBurney out. Carabati. Kababati was it? Kababati. Yeah. Kabati, Who Kabati, looked Kabati. like a train. Yeah. Kababati and Kunatani. Oh, the, the, such ridiculous. And Dombrant. Like, Harlequin's play, it's weird when you watch the, the, pre- the teams in the Premiership outside of Saracens and Exeter because they, they can play some really nice rugby. It's just the, like, the, the tightness that you need at certain stages <clears> in the game they, they, they seem to struggle with, you mm. know? I don't know, I don't know what it's down to. Like, you know, you watch watching Bath as well, you know, over the last few weeks, and I'd be like, PJ Wilson is there now, the the former right, SNC yeah. coach at Munster. So I, you know, I've have an interest in them, and I'd watch them, and I'd be like, it, they can play some really good rugby, but it's like there's something that 
they're missing something, you know? It feels like uh, the Pro 14 is, is a step below the Champions Cup for us. So when, when we go into a Champions Cup weekend, everything goes up. It's a cup final every mm. week. Whereas for the Premiership teams, it's, it seems like it's, it's, it's a similar level all the time. So they're not really playing do-or-die rugby when it gets to Champions Cup. Um, I don't think, you know, a, a couple of the tens across the board at the weekend weren't really, um, like Smith for, uh, for uh, Harlequins, isn't it? Marcus Smith, Marcus, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, didn't really control the game, didn't, you know. That's, the, that's that yeah, looseness, yeah. Yeah, um, he had loads of opportunities to kill off uh, uh, Ulster in the last 20 minutes, or in that first 20 minutes of the mm. second half where they controlled the whole game, got to 24-14, and you're like, oh, they're done here. Put them away. Yeah, I thought they had. I thought they had done enough. Mm. Missed, the, missed the kick, hit the post mm. right in front of the posts, and uh, also just get a sniff and crawl the way back into it. Um, that's my take in anyway, that they just yeah. don't have that killer instinct when it comes to Champions Harlequins turned up, though. Harlequins, I thought that was a, a decent performance from Harlequins. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not an easy place to go in Europe. Like No one goes there and does well, really. Um, but I think Ulster dug deep. And again, I don't think we've seen Ulster cut loose or even play as well as they can play. Mm. They just look like they're so close, like three or four weeks in a row now, very, very close to, to, to really clicking. Mm. McCloskey's on fire. That's I was going to ask you. Like, here's a good question. Well, we should we should get to Connacht as well now, but like we should we should discuss Sprite. Let's talk about Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> we should discuss if you're coming. We were saying like if Andy Farrell came down from the moon. Uh, obviously to be a massive like oh my god who what is, is rugby <laughs> <laughs> but if they arrived and there was no reputations no nothing and how, know, sorry how did Andy Farrell get the job uh, he just must have maybe there's a moon league he must interview well league. yeah yeah he's yeah. just on Skype and uh, <laughs> the sky from the moon is on to us He'd probably get a lot of PR for the team <laughs> but if he came down like like John Cooney's right in the mix now you know he's he's just been so consistent McCluskey has been phenomenal I was going to ask like do you think McCluskey could, you know, who's he, who's he competing with? Obviously, Henshaw, Bundy, yeah. um, <coughs> Rory, Scannell, uh, Chris Farrell obviously can play, can play 12 as well. Tom Farrell has, has, has gone well, but McCluskey's just been outrageous. Like, Marcus Smith must be like, oh, God. They just were pounding. He was making so much momentum carrying down. Yeah. But, like, I've, I've watched a good bit of him up now, and he's, he's got a lot more to his game than just a bulldozer, yeah. you know? No, um, he can play a bit as well. And he offloads well. They offload for the try. Yeah. Mm. When he caught that and then just threw it back inside, man. Yeah. See the one he plucked out of the air that, yes. that Marshall threw him. Like, that was an incredible piece of skill. Mm. He, he, I thought the one as well where he got between Gilroy was outside him and he got between two. Mm. Uh, I thought I thought if Gilly had a stayed out. That was that one, yeah. Yeah. I thought he plucked it here. Oh, that was yeah, one yeah. try, yeah. yeah. Like, he could have, um, I thought Gilly probably could have met, maybe read that. Mm. I mean, he's the one. Anybody else, you might think, right, come underneath. Mm. But when it's McCluskey, you think he's probably going to get his hands free. He mm. always does. Mm. So keep outside. And he put it kind of, it looked like he put it where he wanted to put it. Yeah. That could be another try, another assist. Well, looking at it, if you're going through their team, like, I, I'm not sure if it's, like, what are they missing to be top, top challengers in terms of, like, like Herring is Herring is up there if you're looking through the spine of their team. Marty Moore is progressing well. Eric O'Sullivan is progressing well, but they're still they're still pretty they're still relatively young. Or those two lads, uh, well, Eric O'Sullivan for sure. Yeah. Henderson had a big game. Ian Henderson. Mm. After that, then maybe you know someone else needs to st- needs to step up. I'm talking about being being a real challenger. Yeah. Um, and, po- and possibly somebody else in the back row. They they need. 
I think they just need a little bit of more grunt. I, I find I find it hard to identify one area because we talked about their back three, their centers, Luke Marshall and, and McCluskey. If those two stay fit, those two work really well. Lovely balance. Mm. Cooney obviously on fire. Um, Billy Burns going well. Um, uh, Mike Laurie, if he gets back in there, then the two of them mm. could be in and out a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that could like in a couple of years' time, I would like to think Mike Laurie will kick on. Mm. He'll be starting. But again, I don't, anyway, so so there. Back row strong, second row when Hendy goes well, they're strong. Front row, the starting front row strong, and then you've got Jack obviously to come back and loose head. Mm. Um, Tom O'Toole, it, it, it's been difficult sometimes whenever we get a big heavy French pack. It's difficult, mm. but he's outrageous yeah, around the yeah, park, yeah. Mm. unbelievable, like very very good, good enough to kind of compromise a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so I can't think of any areas really. It's but, but you're right though they're they're not there yet, and even you know we're talking about. Like, Ulster have gone really well, three from three in Europe. Mm. They look brilliant. But then you look at um, the way Leinster played the weekend and just put Northampton out of sight, away from home. That's another level. And if Ulster are going to win, uh, you know, start challenging to get in the mix, they have to win like that. They have to start um, perform, you know, creating performances the, like the, that. The, the general marker is, is, nine, is eight to nine regular international starters in your team. And when you get in around that level of quality... That's when you're gonna. That's when you're looking at mm-hmm. winning tra- trophies, and if you go back through most of the teams that won the European Cup over the last few years, they regularly will have eight to nine. I'm not saying internationals, eight to nine regular starting internationals. So that's where Saracens would have been with with Mako, <coughs> with Jimmy George, with Lama Satelli or Vincent Koch, Cruz, Atoje, um, Billy Vanapola. You know, Michael Rhodes uh, is not really in the mix anymore, but you know, you could put. Jackson Ray in there. He's not an international starter, but you've you would have had Ben Spencer has been involved with England. Yeah. Then Farrell, uh, Williams, uh, Elliot uh, Elliot Daly, <clears throat> and then you go to Leinster and you see the same thing. Same thing there. So yeah. that's probably the marker that you need to measure, like uh, a team like Ulster against. And they're they're probably we'll, we'll just see when 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 Ireland no. start picking their squads again. No, that's I don't. It. No, I don't think Ulster. <clears throat> I can't in the foreseeable future. I can't see them getting like better consistently better than Leinster mm. but I can see them getting to a point where they could have beaten them in that quarter final true last year in a one off game if they play them in a knockout stage they could they could win they could beat Leinster and they could beat Saracens it'll be a big effort but to do it like so like where they're at at the minute three wins no bonus points they're mm. going to end up with a, an away quarter final best case scenario that is that's if they go to Harlequins get a win beat Bath at home even if they bonus point Bath at home they're not going to be Claremont and Claremont. Mm. You wouldn't have thought that's a massive long shot. So mm. They've got to go away in the quarter final. They're going to play Leinster, maybe Claremont, um, Rassing. Rassing. It's 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 a tough ask. You really need to be playing at home in that quarter final mm. if you've any chance. And then you get to you know, and then it starts to become one off games. And but that's when really got but I, used, I used to always think that like a one off game here when when we were involved at Munster and be like, but we just couldn't do it against Leinster. We just couldn't do it. Um, Better, well, I mean, I'm, all I'm saying is that they can do it, and they yeah, haven't. No, yeah, yeah. like they haven't done it, you know. Yeah. And to say that they got close, <coughs> everybody says, "Oh, we were mm. close." If yeah, this had yeah. been different, if that had been different, they're not there yet. I'm not naive enough to think they are, but they they show definitely they show potential. How naive? I know. <laughs> naive. We can't say the word naive anymore, can we? No, ever. It's dead to us. Uh, we better move on to Connacht. Sprite, uh, go on, Sprite. They picked a strong team. Thankfully, I was worried last week that they wouldn't uh, go over to Gloucester, and they were looking good at halftime, ten seven up. Um, and then 
Andy Friend for not for the first time this year takes Jack Carty off um, after uh, an intercept and a kick out in the full. Two mistakes, but up until that moment, he had actually controlled the game quite well. An unbelievable offload mm. uh, for Porch's try, who's actually really impressive as well. Um, Sprout came on, um, didn't make any mistakes for anything, but Gloucester just took back control of the game and uh, won quite easily in the end. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, Andy Friend, you're, you're, what message does that send to your team when you're it's taking tough. off your 10, yeah. who's like an it's, international? It's, and it's tough punishing someone like that. Yeah. For, for or is he resting him? This is my other thing. Is oh, he, sorry, what, how, how long? It was 50 minutes when he took him off. It's early enough. Isn't it? It's definitely you're saying something. There. Mm. It's definitely a message, isn't it? Well, so, so let me, like, yeah. after, after the intercept, right, is he saying don't, don't throw those, don't take those chances and be a little bit more tight like what you're saying with the English teams? Uh, if he if he then takes that mindset on, if he had have had that mindset, I don't want to get um, pulled off early here, then he wouldn't have thrown that offload for the try. Mm -hmm. A moment of brilliance, Carty. That's kind of that's something that kind of characterizes the way he plays. Mm. So you don't want to lose that. And so it would be a shame that if if by 50 minutes he's off, 50 minutes is off. If he keeps hearing that message, he will tighten up his game and he might become not the player that we become. Yeah, used he to. might just yeah. That would be a shame, and it'd be very difficult to get him. Just to be a little bit more conservative or make more mature decisions, but also maintain that, that kind of lively way of playing. But isn't it nice to be able to pick two guys and say, "Listen, we're gonna like they want to. They have to go out to try and win the game." So Jack Carthy tries to win every single moment he plays. Now sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't come off. But when he can pull pull that try out of his ass where he offloads the ball for Porch, like that's unbelievable. You don't want to lose that, and you can just say, "Listen, go, Jack, go out and play your game." And it can be like it's not—you're not trying to tell him to go from, from, you know, being a, a, a real creator all the time to suddenly being super conservative. But you just say, "Listen, go out and play your game," and then you can, on 50 minutes, you can bring on Sprout, and you may think, you know, this guy might manage out the game for us now. <clears> it's just a different balance, you know. I don't think you—you you always want to be trying to develop the players, develop their game, and develop, how, you know, make them better. Don't take away what makes them special. So don't yeah. take away what makes Jack Carthy special, which is he tries to win every single moment. He's enough. He's got an outrageous skill set, and then that's why he's unique. That's why everybody. <coughs> that's why we're big fans of him because he mm. does that stuff. For when you're when when in, when it doesn't pay the way when it doesn't pay your bills, it's just you just love uh -huh, seeing uh -huh. him. You know what I mean? If you were like mm. if you're Andy Friend, you'd be like, oh fuck, you know maybe maybe dial it back a little bit. But like to watch, man, I love watching mm. Jack Carthy play. Yeah. And he he kicked really well throughout the game, though. He found mm. he found touch uh, all the time. I had one kick at the end of the first half that from the you know almost near the halfway line that I think if he'd have gotten it would have been a made it, may have kept him on the field for mm. longer. For the intercept, that should have been a penalty to Connacht. There was uh, whoever it was uh, uh, Gloucester player second row was lying in the ball for like twenty seconds, and there was no uh, penalty given. And I, I was kind of thinking maybe he was just presumed it was uh, uh, advantage being played, and he threw the pass. Um, and then the kick in the full was just something that skewed off his boot, you know. So, mm. yeah, I, I understand developing players, but for for Connacht trying to win that game, I thought it was essential that that he's on the field. He's been at the heart of what what's been good about Connacht for the last few years, and uh, yeah, it's just a strange one. Jeez, man, you flip flopped here. We were all it was sprout, sprout, sprout. sprout. <laughs> yeah, now it's like, jeez, yeah. man, get your card. <laughs> yeah. You know who I thought like is like 
Cipriani, I don't think he had. They never got at Cipriani yeah. all the way through the game. He was he was just pulling the strings, playing play like he he would play to the gain line, but he would like move it. He was never taking contact, and and when you allow him to play like that, he is mm. so dangerous. You see that kick he had in his twenty two. Yeah. The sent it. The they low. didn't mean yeah. that, sure. He did. Is. He I did. would say, I, I would say so. honestly, I would say I wouldn't put it past him, man. Because what was well, he trying to do? If that if that. He was trying to clear it. But where though? Where was he trying to kick to if that was a mistake? Down down the field. Down, down left or down right or what? Down down to the to the right, right to the, corner. To the right. To the right. Uh, I he, don't know. He, look, I, I watched he's he's got so such an array of kicking. I watched a lot of him last year when we were playing Gloucester. And he's got such an array of kicks. Mm. And there's some of them are really unconventional. Like he'll just you know, like real you know, like not like chuck the ball up in the air, take a step back, like he'll he'll just drop it and out hit the outside of his boot and, and put it in different angles and stuff like that. That's what makes him so hard to read because he you know he's 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 so balanced that he doesn't show his hand when he's actually when he's loading to to pass or to kick. But Connacht needed to get at him and I don't think they did. I don't think it's part of their game plan either really to like mm. bang it up like the way McCluskey was doing it against against Marcus Smith. But um, Yeah they didn't you're right. I mean Aki played brilliant but it was uh, you know, three turnovers, and as he always does, he manages a way to finds a way to get into the game. Mm. But he didn't. Uh, I don't know if he carried at all, really, off off a first or second phase down mm. that channel. So I'm sure it'll be different next weekend of the return fixture. Um, so yeah, that's. I think we'll uh, we'll move on from them. Actually, one more: the Arnold both a red card. Uh, what was your thoughts on that uh, red card last second of the game? It is a red card. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like it's it's not. There's no malice. Like Arno's a real, like he's a, a good guy. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't going out trying to trying to mess Tompkins up or anything like that. But he just, I think it just happened in a snapshot, and he just he just let his forearm was up like that, and it just happened to catch him in the neck. And if you go by through the decision tree, they're going to look say, well, what what what's the point of contact? Well, okay, well it's his it's his forearm, and um, where did it hit? Hits his neck. Or if it hits his neck or his head, well then it's 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 pretty much a red card. Did you so. see the red? The Ospreys red. No. <laughs> Dan Evans, yeah, Kung Fu. Ha! I know. <laughs> Teddy Tama, man. Why would you kick? Hard. He's so beautiful, man. Teddy Tama. Why would you <laughs> kick? That's, him that's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I just think I'd Take rather that, just leave beautiful, him beautiful. Man. Yeah. Have some of that. Uh, <laughs> we're in disarray, the Ospreys. We've got a massive impact. <laughs> <laughs> Financially, we're in trouble, but yeah. It was like the first minute, was it? Yeah. Madness, madness. Crazy. All right, we've got a brilliant uh, interview that Flag conducted with uh, Rory Best, and we're going to play that for you now. 124 test caps, 218 Ulster caps of pure Ulster beef, Mr. Rory Best, OBE. Rory, yeah. welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here, Fab. Um, normally, you normally ask someone, how's the body? <laughs> but you've just come off the back of a Barbarians tour. So I'm going to be very specific and ask you, how's your liver? Um, yeah, I think it's been, it was a fairly hectic three weeks. I think most people do like a week, maybe two weeks with the Babas and they come off the back of it and go, that was, uh, was pretty frightening. Um, but three weeks in now, um, I'm glad to be home. I love the experience, but coming into that last week, it was just, it was quite nice, a bit more enjoyable because you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. I think the first two weeks you kept going, we have another week of this, we have another two weeks of this. Whereas last week was a bit more... You know, sort of chilled out, and we we knew what it was about, and um, I'm just glad now that I don't have to. I think some of the Southern Hemisphere boys they were going home a couple of days off into pre-season training. Some of them are going straight into pre-season training, and 
I don't know how they did it, take my hat off to them. <laughs> the fear on the flight back to the oh. Southern Hemisphere. Um, it, it's a nice way to finish though, because I was thinking, very few players get to finish like that, in that when you start off playing rugby, it's all about just having the crack and playing for fun. And then you get to the professional level and it gets very, very serious. And I think, I think the, when you're performing at your best and when teams are performing at their best, it's when it's still about crack and fun. It's just difficult to get that balance right. But so often the pro game is so stiff and it's so serious that to finish off like you have with the Barbarians is a beautiful bookend. Yeah, it is. It absolutely, you come, you come around full circle. Um, and it is about the crack and the enjoyment and there's not there's pressure on that you put in yourself because you want to perform you know it's a group of sort of 23 guys that some of them are aspiring to be international rugby players some are current international rugby players some are you know there was there was me Campisi Mafu and Skulk Brits that were playing their last ever games of rugby and all of that you know there's that little bit of competitive nature in you that you want mm. to do yourself proud on, on the day but ultimately you know, in the build-up to it, it's not like Ireland at a World Cup or Ulster in a European Cup game where you know you need to perform. People are expecting you to perform. You need to bring people with you. You need to do this, that and the other. And like you say, you get you get very rigid. You get caught up in that. And, and it can affect your performance, whereas this was very much about going, right, well, let's go out and enjoy it. And we want to win because we don't like losing. But if we don't win, you know, people understand that Babaz is about having fun and about the ethos of the game. And getting out like in Brazil or out in, in schools and communities and just promoting how fun this game can be. I, I was I was thinking that like for sure with the results side of it doesn't still doesn't matter when you're with the barbarians. Not not so much. But there's still that 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 part of your the core of your character must surely be that you you take such pride in what you do when you go on the field that there's still that pressure like I don't want to finish off my career with playing poorly here. That must have been a difficult balance, particularly when you're socialising quite a lot. Yeah, I think that is, that's the most stressful thing about it, is trying to get that balance right, to sort of go, you know, this, well, for me, it was a once in a lifetime to play, because you notice, like, in Ireland, you don't get released very often. Mm. This was the end of my career anyway, so you want to enjoy it, and you want to meet new people and go out and have a crack with them, but ultimately, you don't want to be waking up the day of a game going, I actually physically can't play rugby here. You know, this is, yeah, yeah. I want this to be, uh, the whole experience be a reflection of me. I want this to be a reflection of me off the pitch, but I also want it to be a reflection of me on the pitch. And I want to make sure that that you're able to produce a, a performance. And like I say, the competitive nature, and I think it doesn't matter what level you, you'll go back to play and whether you go to play a Legends game in the future or whatever, you'll, you get on that pitch and you go, you know what, I don't really want to lose here. Mm. You know, I want to win. And it's important that the Barbarians they win for different reasons. You know, it's important that they get a win if, certainly every now and again to show that there is still merit in it or at the very least they're competitive and I think the comeback that we had against Wales to get it back to a one-score game at one point was good in that for future because everyone now in the professional game they go, is there any need for this? It's a waste of time. You know, it's just taking players out of games and you sort of go, well, the fact that we're still competitive, the fact that 62,000 turned up at the Millennium Stadium to, to watch it, and the fact that every player you talk to that's played it loves it, and it is about, in a game that has got so serious, it is about fun, I think that it's important that, that they keep going with it. But ultimately, if you're going to be getting beaten by 30, 40 points by everyone you play, then it does become a waste of time. 
Well, clearly, when the games are as close as they are and the people are coming out to watch it, there's still an appetite for it. So, And when the players enjoy it, and you obviously do it, I'm just thinking the balance between you don't want to be that guy when everyone's in having a couple of drinks, the guy sitting on his own in the corner having a sparkling water, and they're like, <laughs> oh, look at, look at this guy, man, you know? So yeah. it's getting that balance, but uh, it's good to hear you enjoyed it. I, I just... Well, I'm not a professional at this, so I did my, <laughs> I, but I had to try and do a little bit of research. And when I went through it, Rory, four Six Nations championships, two of them Grand Slams, two British and Irish Lions tours, four World Cups and a Pro 12 with Ulster. It's just a phenomenal career. It is incredible. Surely you must be thinking when you, when you first went out to play rugby, you were like, is, the, is this real? Have, have, have I achieved this much? Yeah, it, it is so bizarre because even... You know, like when we were growing up, when we were in the minis, where, where my two youngest are at the minute, or my two boys are at the minute, you know, the, there wasn't professional rugby then. So you kind of it was all it was all amateur, and you kind of went, oh, you just played for a bit of fun, and then it sort of became a, a professional game as I was leaving before I left school, and you kind of went, oh, so you can actually make a living at this. But I think being a rugby supporter and coming from a rugby family, going down to the Ireland games and up to the Ulster games, you you never really. You sort of went, well, look, they're, they're your heroes. You never actually think that you can be in it. And, and to finally get caps for both. And all then you want is to, is to get more caps. And then you go, well, it's great playing in an Ireland jersey, but to win in an Ireland jersey you know, is, is even better. And you go, what would it be like to lift a trophy? And, and you end up with all these, these accolades. And it has gone in a flash. And you know, I know that, that, that you'll understand that. But... Like fifteen odd years has been it has literally just went like bang. And I think back, like I remember my first cap for Ireland, like it was yesterday, and to have achieved all of that is you have to pinch yourself from time mm. to time and it sort of gets a bit almost embarrassing, you know, when people are reading it out and you're kinda of there going, oh, like you say, you started out playing rugby because you loved it and you've achieved all of this and like I, like I say, I've just enjoyed every minute of it. What when I went through it and I looked at it and I was there for a very brief period in your career and like trying to compete with you and to see how long you've gone and the longevity in your career and it's not longevity you know just you reached a peak and then you just you hung on for a while you were at the top all the way through if anything you got better every single year and you bowed out at a World Cup as the captain played fantastically well I, I'm, I'm keen what is it, say, from a physical point of view, that you that you were doing to keep yourself so robust, to keep yourself on the field all the time? I think a bit of it is, you know, sort of mentioned competitiveness and competitive nature a few times. But like, as competitive and and you look around and you have to also learn. You have the ability to learn. Like when when we first came into the squad together, like I was definitely didn't look much like a, an athlete or a professional rugby player, and I looked at the way. You behaved and you trained, and I kind of went, well, if I want to get to that level or, or try to get past that level, you've got to at least adapt what you're doing. And, like, my fitness has, has become a big strength of mine, but it wasn't necessarily at the start. But I remember how fit you were, and I was going, right, well, look, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to get better at. And, and that's just, a, like, an example of what it's been like right throughout. You look at what people are doing, and, like like Sean Cronin, you know, you look at the speed he's got and like while I never was going to have his speed, it wasn't just acceptable for me to go, well, I'm not going to be as quick as him, so I'll do something else. You know, I tried to be as fast as I could. So I used to do sort of, in, that's when I was in my late 20s, I would have went in 
on the day off and just did some footwork, some speed, some shorter acceleration so it wouldn't take that much out of me, just to try to maximise that and then go, right, well, I'm not as fast as him, but I need to be a smarter rugby player. You know, I need to be able to get, if we're both trying to get from A to B, I need to get there quicker because I see it earlier and then just try to learn like that. And, and you really just, you try to take pieces from other people's game and you go, right, well, how can I maximise that for me? And it won't look like everyone else looks like, but as long as you're sort of driven to try to get the best out of out of you that you can, I think that that is, I think that that's part of the reason that, that I've managed to stay ahead because, you know, even like, like Niall Scannell's coming in now, you know, a big set piece hooker and I sort of went, right, well, I, that was my strength and suddenly somebody's challenging that. Well, I need to make sure that that I know the opposition scrum as well as anyone so that when we're doing our detail on it that I can go, well, look, from looking, he does this, this and this and then your experience counts. Whereas if you're guessing, you know, your experience isn't, isn't worth that much. I also tried to throw a little bit more to make sure that you stay ahead of, ahead of these boys, which sometimes is not easy. It's it's interesting when you're, when you're talking about that because it makes such it's such common sense what you're saying it's so logical yet you'd wonder why doesn't every single player have the same approach so I'm asking was it is this all driven by you or did, like was it coach driven like who 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 helped you with this I think you've got to want to do it yourself and I think what you find is that if you want to do it like for example Simon Easterby with Ireland like he is now out like he catches he's got the pole now for the line out throwing. And he will do, he'll come in on the day off, even when he's flying home from Wales, he'll get the earlier flight to make sure we have enough light to throw before everyone else comes in. But you have to ask him. Like, he's not going to come and go, listen, Roy, I'll fly home tomorrow early if you want to come down and throw. You, you've got to want to go to him first. And what I found, and probably didn't really grasp at the start of my career, is that these guys are here to help you every, any way they can, but they have so much going on that they're not going to volunteer it. You have to come and ask for it. And I've definitely found that, that I'm the same with Daniel Sopers and I come into Ulster as a skills coach. Mm. And I just went to him and I said, listen, I want to work on this, this and this. Can you put together some sort of program? Because I like things in routine. Can you put together some sort of program so that my Monday's extra looks like this, Tuesday's and Thursday's, and this is what it'll be. And when you go to them, they will, they will help you with a heart and a hand. But you've got to be... I think like one of the hardest things I think is that people are afraid to identify weaknesses, especially in that rugby environment where it's all bravado and you know, you know, we fear nothing, we do, you know, we beat our chests. And I think if, if you're afraid to identify your weaknesses, you're never gonna get better at them. Whereas like I know that throwing is something that I've got to keep working on and a, a lot of it is in is in my head probably because I think technically I probably tinkered with it that much because I always wanted to try to be better. It nearly became detrimental. But I also know that I've got to identify and I've got to work on it. Same as like my ball carrying. Like it's something that I've tried to get better at over the years. And it's maybe been the acceleration stuff. More recently it's been working with Daniel to try to catch the ball. I already see it because I went, I'm not going people are getting bigger now, so mm. I'm not gonna be a destructive carrier. But can I be the guy that catches a ball with somebody right on me and ship it? Can I be really comfortable on the ball that I can play the wee outs, inside, outside, and be able to use the ball a bit better? And like all those little things, he, I went to Daniel and said, this is what I'm thinking. He went, right, let's put together a program. And you know, those are little things that I think until you actually identify and you're comfortable with yourself to go, this is what I'm good at, 
this is what I'm not so good at, this is actually ideally where I'd want to be. Um, from watching the game and watching other people, this is the what I see as being the perfect hooker. This is, you know, you'll never get there, but this is what I want to strive to be mm. and go to the coaches and go, right, this is what I'm thinking. And they'll, you know, add a little bit and they'll give you, like, like you've been a coach, you know, how satisfying is it when a player comes to you and goes, listen, Jerry, I want to work on this. You know, can you help me? You know, you're never going to turn around and go, catch a grip, I have too much on. Mm. You would be, you will bend over backwards to help that person. So often I used to speak to the younger lads in Munster and I used to say, look at Rory Best, look at the way he's evolving as a player. Because this is, you can jump in if you see any different, but I always saw it as that your strength was your fundamentals as a big set piece hooker and you were really good at that. And then I watched as you evolved, like because we would be playing against Ulster and we were playing against Rory Best and I'd be like, lads, this guy's a massive breakdown threat. He's going to be in at the poach every single time. I saw... You know, I saw I saw you developing the football part of your game. I said, just just they're common sense things, but just they so rarely happen. Just pulling a ball back rather than just playing the tip on sometimes to create a little bit of depth when the defence is flying at you. Yeah. But I always told the younger lads in Munster, I said, watch how Rory Best is evolving. He is maximising everything that he has because uh, I, when you see someone like Sean Cronin come up, like I saw him in Munster, and I just went, oh dear, we need to get him out of here because I cannot <laughs> compete with that kind of athleticism. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I, I admire so much is just to see how you've, because naturally your, your, your strength, your, your speed, your, 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 even your level of conditioning, your ability to recover is going gonna, is, is gonna to start to dwindle as you get older. That's just, that's just life. Yep. But you doesn't mean you accept it. You can still fight for every bit that you have. But to see how you've maximized the other things like reading in the game, like it, 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 it amazes me. That you're that so much of this seems to be coming from you, and it's it's actually it's such common sense, but it's so rare, and it it sort of lends itself to me thinking, you know, you're thinking like a coach, you're a player, but you're thinking like a coach. Yeah, like, I suppose I just love the game, and you know, just uh, even now, like those last couple of weeks in the World Cup, like I was the oldest by a few years. I think Johnny was next at whatever he was, thirty three or thirty four. So you're three four years ahead of them but like even like I would do my throw on at the end and you just I just didn't ever want to leave the pitch I would even go across with Johnny and do a bit of kicking and messing around just to sort of be I think if you love do love something you just want to be out there continually doing it and sure I had Jason Cowman constantly going right you get off your feet get off your yeah. feet and um, I think that there's that enjoyment factor that that drives you on to do it but um, yeah look I just I love the game and I love sort of watching the game, studying the game, and, and a bit of it is also, you're trying to figure out, you're not trying to figure out how to make it easier, you're trying to figure out, how can I be smarter at this? And, you know, there's something nice about sort of finding a way to do something a wee bit cleverer than somebody else. And I think that's maybe just the way that I'm wired. It's just like, what angle can we get? Like, remember we used to do, like, drills at, at Ulster where, you know, it was a one-on-one -on -one drill, but you had to go and touch this cone when you're the defender, and then you had to touch the opposite cone. And what I used to do is just go, right, we'll tell you what, if I know I'm touching this cone, I am going to give you all of this space here to run into so that my momentum is going to try to touch you but go to that cone and then get you on the next one. And, you know, you sort of try to figure out this drill to go, how can I do this slightly better to make sure that, you know, it may or may not be fitter, but to make sure that I look fitter, whereas, you know, people that don't know what they're doing will be beaten on this side and then they'll have to turn and run here. By the time they turn and run there... You know, the attacker's passed. And once you get slightly behind somebody, you know, at this level, you're never going to catch them up. And I think it's about making sure you're always slightly ahead.
you'll get some lads who are, who are athletically so gifted that they don't actually think about the game as easy because they know that they use it as a buffer. Say, so, well, even if my turn isn't sharp here, if my angles aren't great, I can still make it up. And it's actually, that's a, it's, a, it's a really good point going forward for younger players that the sooner they get on, get on that, that the sooner they can actually have a longer career and even they get more out of being that athletic. Yeah, because it actually, it, it frustrates me a lot. And I think it frustrates me because like I was a rugby player who tried to become an athlete, maybe sometimes not very successfully. But like when you hear people talking about younger players, you know, all they ever talk about is, oh, see the size of him, he does this, mm. how quick he is. Very rarely do you hear them going, did you see how he cut the angle there to actually to, to get ahead of the play or to do this? Oh, he looks like an incredibly smart rugby player. And I think that we're so fixated now with creating these big monsters that we've forgotten that they also need to be able to play rugby. And I think the game, because it's becoming more and more structured, it is becoming more and more about a about a physical player. But I still think that there needs to be room for smart rugby players in there. And I think that it's something that potentially our academy systems are, are overlooking. That leads me on. Like when everything you're talking about there, <clears throat> when I used to speak to Paul O'Connell, and I said, This guy's a year younger, and I would ask his advice on stuff all the time. And he would be so he would give such a balanced, logical answer. And I used to wonder, where is he getting this from? Because he's younger than me. And then I met his dad and his, and his, and his brother, Justin. And I, I said, this is, this is where he gets the framework. But, like, who are your mentors? Who, who, who is... I think probably just growing up, you know, like I say, like, we were just, like, there was only rugby. Well, rugby and farming. You know, mm. like, my dad would go, you'd be somewhere, and you'd go, Dad, who was that? And he'd go, oh, I don't know where I know him from. I'm pretty sure it's either rugby or farming. And you really, because there's so much more going on in your life apart from those two, because that's all there ever was. You know, Sundays were, you know, watch rugby special, go out in the lawn and play rugby, um, watch games, go to Ulster games, Ireland games, go to Banbridge. And, and even when we're sitting around the, the dinner table as a family now, you know, it, uh, invariably what happens is that me, my two brothers and my dad go down to the far end and all we talk about is rugby and, you know, this angle and what's going on here and what do we think of this story breaking and, you know, everyone has their own views and opinion on it and when, you've, when you're the youngest of that lot, you kind of have to have quite strong opinions but you also, because you're reasonably respectful, you have to, have to listen to other people's opinions and form a balanced view on it and I think that, that like, that's where it comes from. My, my two older brothers and my dad have obviously been incredible mentors for me because they introduced me really to the game and then they taught me about the game and and I'd like to think that I sort of evolved my own opinions my own ways but we all kind of have very similar views on the game and the way it should be played even my grandfather it used to destroy him watching mini rugby whenever it was just like route one people running up the middle his favorite phrase to shout was always let it out let it out he thought the game should be played with the full width of the pitch and like obviously, I I would agree with them that I watch sometimes minis and just to allow this sort of clump of kids just to run yeah, around yeah. after the ball, get them to understand space, get, get them to and understand space, and you know it shouldn't be about structure. It should be about being comfortable with the ball in your hand and being able to move it. And not necessarily talking about the five and six year olds because it is a wee bit. It's a lot about enjoyment for them, but you get enjoyment by like when you're that age you want the ball in your hand. That's the enjoyment side of it. And that's where we should be using that to go, right, well, let's make sure that every kid is comfortable with the ball in their hand and not going, 
well, that kid's, you know, quite a heavy kid, so he's a prop, so we don't need to worry about developing any skills for him. Mm. You know, it should be about everyone up to a certain age should be as capable as each other within their skill set of, of handling the ball. And, like, that would be, I suppose, a big philosophy of our family, really. It's fascinating listening to you. I'm just wondering that there's so much... IP built up in you over, over over this incredible career. It's like, what what is going to be next? What is it like? Farming is obviously something you're passionate about, but if, if I was Ulster Rugby now, I'd be like, how can we get Rory in and how can we tap into this? So uh, what have you got in, what's yeah, in the pipeline? I think the, the farm, I think the first of the farming, you know, there's, there's so many commercial opportunities around and if I then go straight back to the farm and in a couple of years, could you know what, I'd like to exhaust some of those, it'd all be like, Come on, mate, you've been away from the game three mm. or four years. You know, so you have to kind of try to maximise a bit of that now, which, you know, I'll be doing. Um, and the farm, you know, the farm can wait. I'll, I'll, I want to be involved a little bit in it now, but it'll be a bit more in sitting down with Dad and Simon going, right, well, what is the long-term view of the farm? You know, what are the big decisions where we want to take this to fast-forward in 10 years that we're in this position? Um, but rugby, I think the, the great thing about that I love about rugby is that I kind of I know what I'm talking about. Whereas mm. I go back to the farm now because I've been out of it for so long. People are talking about the impact of Brexit and you know the price of beef and the price of grain and you know what sprays, what what crops are using, and it's so different from 15 years ago. I'm kind of a little bit lost in it, and you, you hope that you'll pick it up quickly when you get back immersed in it. But the great thing about rugby is, no matter where you are in the world, if you sit down in a room. I would like to think that I could hold my own in a conversation about it. And that's why I want to stay involved in it, because it's it's all I've known for 15 years as a professional. I like to think that I know what I'm talking about and, and I have some good views. And I would like to try to help and give a bit back to the game that has given me so much. Yeah, well, that's clear listening to you. It's, it's, it's incredible listening to you talk about the game and, and I'm glad to hear you're going to stay in it. I, just something that I thought that probably... If it's not, like there's obviously rumours of Bristol, Pat Lamb was talking about you there. Um, you're going to be very, very coveted, obviously with Jody and the kids settled in Ulster. But once you get into the game professionally, when you're no longer a player, there's obviously a little bit of a, it's, it, it's the timeline is going to go, there's accountability. You know, I, have you taken that into consideration? Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that I want to pull on a tracksuit and coach every day. And I think if you want to do that, you know, you've got to be prepared to move away. You know, some of the, the best coaches in Ulster are, are coaching elsewhere, like Mark McCall's and Saracens, and he went to France. You have Jeremy Davidson down in France. Um, Doki's over in, in England with Worcester. Mm. And you sort of go, like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that that's my passion anyway, but I would sort of see myself as being a little bit more of, you know, I'd like to see the bigger picture and go, right, this is how... I want us to get from A to B, right, well, you're the coach, you tell me day to day how you're going to get us there type thing. And I don't know if necessarily is a role like that in rugby, you know, a bit like a soccer manager, but you know, rugby hasn't evolved to that level yet where there's that sort of amount of money. But that the worrying thing is, is that, and I think that the wee bit about it is that when you're a good player, you'll find a club somewhere, like someone will want to pick you. Mm. Whereas like nobody knows if you're a good coach or a good manager or what you are. So someone's going to have to take a, a bit of a punt to go, you know what, I think he'd be good in this environment and offer you something. And that's the, the unknown and that's the, the bit that you're not sure of. And like ultimately, you kind of go, if you're going down that road, you're going to have to 
be a lot more mobile than mm. than you would be. You know, like Ulster was always my view. As long as I was playing well enough to be offered a contract, I don't want to go anywhere. So I can set up base here, have the kids go everywhere, knowing that if we need to move, we'll move. But we'll only move unless my form dips and that is under my control. Um, whereas the other way is very much out of your control. Like yes. You can be a class coach yeah. and have a bad group of players or a bad attitude within the players and can't get it changed or just get bad luck and all of a sudden you're out in your ear. Or you can be a very average coach and, and we've all had a few of them that happen to have a very good bunch of players and they're heralded to be something they're not and, and there's a little bit of luck to that and sort of it's hard to deal with luck whenever you're used to trying to prepare for, mm. you know, to tip keep everything in your own control listening to you I think you've got a really good handle on it and um, I don't think you're going to be short of offers and I think you're going to make the right choice um, just I, I didn't want to talk much about the World Cup but you know you're here on behalf of Specsavers and uh, you know Specsavers are, you're launching the grandparent of the year and Specsavers are recognising the extraordinary effect that grandparents have on their on their kids lives and within the community you're not a grandparent yet, but every single time I saw you on the TV after the World Cup, I just saw these guys referencing, and you're the granddad, you're piping yeah. slippers, like, it must have gotten old. Uh, you know what, it does, and it's, it's got old for years now, and the problem is, like, amongst some of those kids, you might as well be, you yeah. know, when you're going to Chicago to play New Zealand and Joey Carberry's winning his first cap and having his 21st birthday, you're kind of there going, I am old, you know, and that's, that's the problem in that environment. You know, you, you feel really old and then you come out of it and you say to somebody, oh, sure, I'm old, I'm 37. And they go, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you were in most other professions, you'd only really be getting going. And yeah, like it did. But you know what? Whenever you get into your 30s, that's just when I always think when you're 29 and you have a couple of bad games because he just needs to find a bit of form. Mm. As soon as you turn 30, you have a couple of bad games and they're always over the hill. He's done. You know, they're going, well, like that, can be the difference in two days like or a couple of months or whatever it is and you know it's just something you got used to by the end of it but yeah it's, it's sort of incredibly frustrating that this is almost like a stick to beat you with whereas you go to some places and I know chatting to Rods that they really they think that age is a great thing because it's experience and mm. you know in, in the top 14 that they really hold it in a high regard whereas in other places they seem to be Oh, you know, we need to get somebody younger in. You kind of go, well, no, you need to get somebody better in. If you can get somebody better in, then bring them in. But don't just bring someone in because they're younger. Not, not, not just because of age, yeah. it's the quality. Yeah. Um, look, I understand you're, you're under, under pressure and Pat is waving at me for the last <laughs> 20 minutes here. So um, it's, been, it's been so good to chat to you, man. And uh, I'm really excited to see what you do going forward. So listen, thanks many for coming Cheers, in. Okay? Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. That was great, Flat. Uh, thank you very much. Um, since that interview, I suppose that later that day, uh, Rory came out and uh, gave a few uh, of his personal thoughts on when Ireland, where Ireland went wrong at the World Cup. And a lot of attention has been drawn to what he said about Joe Schmidt being a bit too controlling, the coaches having uh, too much control and not uh, enough of it given to, to the players, especially in the 24 hours before different games. Um, and he was, you know, a lot of criticism went his way uh, on TV. Matt Williams uh, tore him a new one for, for how he spoke, and it was a bit disrespectful. But um, I don't know, my thoughts on it were that he, he was quite critical. If you read the, everything he said, it was quite critical across the board from himself for the players not grabbing that, uh, that control themselves. 
and for the coaches and how they they um they prepared them for some of the games. So uh, maybe taking a little bit out of context. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I should have really asked him, but I shouldn't. <laughs> I just yeah. spoke. I, well, I, it was later that day. That, yeah, you know, but I, I just thought, like, I didn't want to start going on about the World Cup all the time because I was like, he's just sick of talking about that. And I genuinely wanted to... Well, he wasn't. He was like a cold spring. He was dying. <laughs> he was there winning and as we had to work up. I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to ask him about, you know, how, how he progressed as a player and how he evolved, how he grew his game. And then when I saw he came out and said all that stuff... And obviously I'm reading, I wasn't there, so I'm just mm. reading it in the newspaper. And, and I think you're right. He spoke about a quite, a, he spoke about a quite a long period. Um, and he spoke about how, how they were interacting with Joe throughout it. And about players wanting to have a bit more control to drop down the tension a little bit. And, um, but everything is, <clears throat> the focus all came about his comments about Joe. Because it's so rare that you see any player speak out ab- about Joe like that. Um <clears throat> I think Rory is is a really honest guy, and I think he's if he said it, he's probably put a bit. There's more balance if you're actually listening to the whole thing. More ballast, more <laughs> more, more balance. But um, I could understand why, like, if I as a coach, you'd feel like a little bit like shit. You know, you you, know, mm. you didn't need to come out and say that. But look, it's uh, is it good? Is it good for for everyone though? If, if if this stuff does come out, if players do feel like that there was too much, uh, they were controlled too much and the, 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 the management were, uh, you know, because it does seem like a really intense, uncomfortable environment where if you don't do what Joe Schmidt says, you're out the door. There's, yeah, but it know, does need to be, it does, does need to be picked up um, with the same balance that he would have presented it with. Roy's an absolute pro and we all know the way he presents himself and he's mm. very... Captainly and very balanced and very captainly. He's, very captain, he's, he's the <laughs> he just he never he doesn't really get caught out by the media, um, so I wouldn't have thought he would have got caught out, um, and I wouldn't have thought that he would have done mm. that. Like, but it sounds like he talked about how players underperformed, coaches, you know, there were deficiencies there as well. The whole setup, he was critical of a few different areas, mm. and that's the balance you're talking mm. about. So then, as you say, the one area gets picked up. So it kind of puts the whole thing, it distorts it and it puts it out of, out of context. So, or will it open the floodgates and now everyone will come out? Yeah! <laughs> well, just the forest come out as well. Yeah. It? Was that after It's Roy? like, do you remember when yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Principal Skinner in The Simpsons lost his job uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they, they found out that he wasn't really Principal Skinner <laughs> and they, they get rid of him and they're like, yeah, he's the worst principal ever. And they bring in Flanders to be the, <laughs> to be the principal and the whole place just fucking falls apart. Like, I wonder if that's... I'm calling Flanders, Andy, Andy, Andy Farr. Farr. Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> he was charge our pinks last year. Now he's Flanders. Um, yeah, look, I'm this sure the story on. will unfold exactly. um, and more books will be written and uh, we'll, we'll give our thoughts on it. But uh, we'll park it for the moment and maybe talk about it again next week. Uh, we're going to move on to Black and White where yes. uh, the, the boys, the two of you, I'm going to be the judge this week. Uh, pick a team of their 15 players that had absolute stormers against them in their careers. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. All right, lads, it's time to play black and white. And as I said beforehand, uh, one juicy topic and big debate this week is pick a team of 15 players that had stormers against you in your career. Um, Trimby, I'm going to start with you. Fine. 
Yeah. Fine. 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 Uh, at like number one. Pissed off girlfriend. Mm. Fine. Uh, <laughs> at number one, I've gone for a general um, uh, demographic, and that demographic is any tattooed overweight Welsh prop. <laughs> uh, so I just, any example, you don't even have any examples. I just remember one fat Welsh guy. Paul wagons. James. Uh, Paul James for the Ospreys. No, it wasn't him. I actually remember him. He's one of the props that I can put a name to. Uh, it was another one uh, who was playing for the Dragons at the time. Then he moved to Scarlet. Does that ring a bell? They're all yeah. Anyway, they're I think, all, there's, exactly, like, they're I think all. there's one guy who's doing like he's got four contracts, and he's like, "What do? What time is the game on yeah. this weekend?" They're like three o'clock. Is our grand jam? And it's seven with the Scarlet. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's at about he's at about six hundred grand a year, man. He's got all these new contracts. Anyway, so him and he does uh, the one. door inside and what's that Wine Street inside in Swansea as well. He's like, yeah. "Oh, you know, did I play against you?" <laughs> Did I watch you on Friday night playing for the Ospreys against Ulster and then I played against you <laughs> for the Scarlets and now you're working on the door in this nightclub. How the fuck is that happening? Uh, at number two, uh, start. Uh, Shulk Brits, just because he knocked me out one time. Did he? How? Yeah, he made a line break, as he always does, and then I, I went to tackle him. You come in from the wing, you through. shall not pass. Yeah. He went, mm. I will. He's like, I'm going to pass this time. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, number three, Deacon Manu. Remember him, the Scarlet? Uh, yeah, 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 it's he quick. He played, I meant to say he played in the over 35 team that I was playing in last week. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh shit, man, maybe yeah. you could play in that. So time. anyway, he uh, he reminded me <laughs> after a few beers that uh, he played for the Maori and beat the Lions. Anyway, so he's my tight head. O'Connell had four, <laughs> because I remember playing Monster one time when Matty Williams was coaching us, and instead of doing a review of the game, we watched O'Connell's highlights. <laughs> Afterwards, <laughs> Mario Williams talked us through how much better he was than every one of us. Right. Yeah, it was uh, it was really annoying. Anyway, Chris Jack at five. Why did you put him in there? Pat just uh, lurking in the shadows over here. I put him in there <laughs> because Made a good point. I don't remember uh, anything outstanding about his performance, but I remember he got into a row with Neil Best. Do you remember this? Ooh. Neil Best was kissing his girlfriend uh, at the November, the home game. Chris Jack threw a... a, a like a rat, like something, some food, it landed on his plate and Bestie looked at him as if he was going to kill him. As Bestie's an intimidating man. Mm. And uh, Bestie stored that up until the tour in uh, June 2016 and then managed to get Chris Jack at the bottom of a rock and said, Do you remember November? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going psychopath. And this is during the 16th loss. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. I he assume, showed him. I assume it was the 16th loss. It probably was. Pat pointed it out. I can't remember. Was. Yeah. At six, Joe Beerman. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good offloader. Yeah, very good for the Ospreys. Mm. It was better Dragons, for the dragons before that. Well. Sorry, yeah, very yeah. good for, better for the Dragons. Uh, he was at the Dubai Tens. You're well. just, just, just picking, no, no, picking no, the guys no, you no, made no, at the weekend. No, yeah. <laughs> Shane Jennings, uh, what stood out about his performance was how much he targeted Ian Humphreys. <laughs> uh, Ian Humphreys, we well, class with the ball in hand. He could actually get in the under, uh, underrated 15 for attack. But the worst 15 ever for defense. Well, we we'll pick that next week, man. Yeah, yeah. Good. We used to remember, uh, remember us playing, playing Le- Leicester when they beat us for the first time in Tone Park, and it was that was our whole game plan. Just get yeah. it, Humphreys. He'll run out the game. Yeah. And he had the best game of his life. Oh, really? <laughs> we were after about 20 minutes. We are like, now what the fuck do we do? How do we get at him? What's plan B? <laughs> so um, uh, Leinster targeted him. And standing, it was the most standing there, like, kind of, trying to make him flinch. <laughs> and he's like, he's yeah. not flinching. What do we do? <laughs> it was the most obvious thing ever. Um, Sexton was there. And first of all, we had him at 10. 
Shane Jennings just ran at him and just destroyed him. <laughs> Confidence shot. Then we put Humph in the backfield. And then at one stage I watched Johnny and Johnny was like, <laughs> he's, over, he's over there. He put a high ball on him and gave him time to catch it. Humph took it. Someone um, caught him and like kind of opened him up and he looked so vulnerable. And then Shane Jennings just went, have some of that. Destroyed him. Someone's got a, a, a fake mustache and glasses. They're putting it on the umbrella. Where is he? Where is he? Try and look for him. So anyway, Shane Jennings, uh, Andy Powell at eight. Yeah, Did he play well against you. Yes, one game in particular. It was kind of a shootout between him and Ferris at home for the Lions at the end of the season. It was a nothing game, but it was all about Ferris Powell. Powell came out on top that that day. To be fair, mm. uh, Matawali at nine came off the bench for um, Glasgow a number of times and scored. I don't know how many bonus point <laughs> tries <laughs> against us. Dan Parks, um, uh, Justin, Un- unusual. Yeah, yeah uh, Justin Harrison said before, famously in Ulster circles, said before the game, uh, "This guy is a club footballer." Fast forward 24 hours, Dan Parks man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Vincent Clark. Uh, for obvious reasons, um, scoring against us 2007, and then a few times for. You're quite alike. Oh, that's a compliment to me. Thank you. He yeah. will be God. He'll not listen. It's fine. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, Robert De Niro is hitting home. When am I getting another mention? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick DeLuca at 12. I mentioned him last week. Mm. Uh, John Davis at 13. Um, always played well against us. Um, Danwell Demas, he's the. Do you remember I described him earlier? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah. And Luke McLean, the Italian, uh, 15. Really? Always yeah. did better than he should have done. <laughs> That's different. Huh? He did better than he should have done. Well, okay. Maybe we can have a better than they should have done 15 next week. <laughs> was he unbelievable or is he just you're expecting him to be? No, you can believe how good he was. Right. Yeah, but he was very good. Okay. Yeah. More so for Italy than Treviso. Yeah. All right, Jerry. It's going to be hard to up. beat that loose head to start with. I'm going to go with <laughs> Greg Holmes, uh, Australian loose head. He scored a try. We played them in 2006. We were on a tour, and he I, honestly, he must have sprinted 60 meters with the ball. Yeah, he? I missed him. I missed the tackle on him, and then we got fined on the bus on the way home. Uh, like nearly the entire Irish backline all got <laughs> outpaced by the loose head prop for Australia. I was like, I was like, who is going to catch this guy? Is for fuck's sake? You're the backs. <laughs> Uh, two, I went with Bernard Jackman. Uh, he just pitched up in 2008 and had a stormer against us in the semi-final of the European Cup. I was like, uh, playing against Birch, I said, we'll put his throwing under pressure here. And he was just like, he's throwing, Leo called really well. And I was like, just fuck, couldn't get out, couldn't get on him. I think he looked like, like Humpty Dumpty when he played. <laughs> <laughs> well, that massive egg was running around the field and it was hard to stop. Big uh, eyebrows. I was, tri- I was tied... Um, I went with I started with BJ Botha at tight end played, he played for South Africa against us and whenever he played for Ulster as well I hated playing against him because he was just always in the side of my neck scrummaging but I think Stan Wright for again that 2008 semi-final I'm a little bit burnt by that but we just kept going pick out Stan Wright pick out Stan Wright we've got to find Stan Wright and pick him out he is a liability and he was like fucking Cerevi on the day <laughs> he caught a Gary Owen he was offloading he maimed me man absolutely maimed me with a tackle like hit me hit me so hard that I remember I, I, I lost a feeling in my left leg and I was like my leg was shaking on the ground and everything to need his dog <laughs> Are we in an episode of Father Ted? I think he said Didn't he I eat his dog? <laughs> I believe he had his dog that he loved like Toby and then I believe he had his dog as well the I heard that somewhere The dog died and, he, and it was like Oh no he had to put it down because it bit someone and uh, 
it was really sad. Didn't want to waste it. And like yeah. when Homer eats uh, Pinchy the lobster, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to eat the dog. Uh, Forlock, Courtney Laws, mm-hmm. he's just smashed. He's just smashing people so much when mm-hmm. he played against Northampton and with England. Uh, <clears> five was Nathan Sharp. When I played against him for Australia, he was kind of looking at me as in like, I know you're under the pump with this throw and I know where it's going. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, six was Rocky Elsom, was incredible for Leinster yeah, against us every time we played. Richie McCaw was obviously very good for the All Blacks when we played against him. Harren Ordeke at eight, he was always phenomenal. The big man from the Basque country. Oh, mm. They always said that. But like, mm. why, why, why I used to hate playing against him? you in a... <laughs> Brian Nugent used to say his name. <laughs> when we used to play against him, he was brilliant on a single lift. So normally if you split their pods in the line-out, you could just drop one into the space where it's uncontested. But he was so good on a single-man lift. His vertical, he's like Peter Romani. Mm. Any line-out anecdotes where you just go... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Peel at nine... He's just like when Dwayne Peel was on fire, man. Yeah. He was just so hard to stop. Uh, Contepomi at 10. 11. Bruce Rehanna played for the Saints against us. Brilliant. He was an absolute ninja. Uh, 12 was Regan King playing for the Scarlets against Munster. It was just phenomenal. Uh, Drico at 13 was always brilliant. Uh, 14 was Delasau. Remember mm. him at Claremont, the left footstep, left footstep, and just none of us could stop him anyway, yeah. just teleporting from one side of the pitch to the other every time he stepped. Yeah, and 15 was Cedric Haymans for Toulouse and for France. He, every time I played against him, he was unbelievable. Um, I didn't know a good few of your players, so I'm going to go with, I needed to do. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Flaz. That was a great, great one. I really enjoyed that. Will we do uh, best 15 uh, foreigners that came and played in Ireland. Foreigners. foreigners. Like Rocky Elson was probably one of the best that ever came and played over here from next abroad. week. Next week. Next week. Yeah, love okay. it now. Tee it up. Yeah, sound good. Yeah, I win. Bit, I'm a bit. You I win. Enjoy, I enjoyed that. You Point know to Guinness got, for Flash. You know where I got that from? For me. When, when, mm-hmm. I was che- when I was supporting Chelsea when I was a kid and I was like 12, they used to have this thing. I used to get a Chelsea like fans newsletter. Uh, it was actually a newspaper and they used to have a team to make you scream that so that they would always pick like the, the players that played the best against Chelsea and they're always, always be like, oh, I picked that. Oh, screaming fear. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit pissed off. I don't, I don't think I should have lost that. Do you not? No, I think you, I should have. You, you, you it was a throwaway. It was a throwaway uh, yeah. win. No, I know, but... Okay, you, you won. You won. Far <laughs> 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 happier now. Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, that's it. Cheers to everybody for listening and for those watching on YouTube. Hello. Uh, thanks to everyone that is involved in making the show this week to producer Pat to Paul, to Ian, to Dermot, and to Anthony. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to Jerry and Trimby. It's been Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.